addiction is 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 so tightly linked to trauma we are chasing some feeling that our childhood self went through you know for me personally it was the i'm not good enough right and so throughout my life i had reoccurring theme of i'm not good enough because my parents didn't show up for me and it was all back on me and so every time i picked up a bottle or every time i picked up a drug I was chasing that feeling of being good enough. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. Class is in session, about to learn a lesson in the game. We embrace the pain, take it and we make some change. Without scarcity, I don't know where I'll be. It's how we learn and now it's your turn. Let's get Welcome to the University of Adversity. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Super grateful to have you here today. My next guest's name is Eric Morris. He joins us from the Fit for Service fellowship that I'm in, the Aubrey Marcus year-long mastermind. He's one of my brothers from the program, and I'm really excited to have him on today. He's somebody that really inspires me and has a crazy-ass story, kind of like mine. Different, but similar. And we get into how he got out of the craziness. You guys don't want to miss this. So make sure you listen to it right till the end. Not only do we get through all that, but then we unpack the madness that he went through during COVID and the the few things that he did in order to keep his business afloat. So I'm telling you, there's a lot of stuff in here. So you want to make sure that you watch this right till the end. If you need to take a break halfway through, do that. But trust me, you don't want to miss this episode. Okay. If you guys get value from this, share it with a friend, leave us a review. Highly appreciate it. It helps the show grow and it gets it into more people's lives. All right. Enjoy the show. Eric Morris coming right up. And we are on. Eric, welcome to the show, brother. How you what doing? What do, bro? How are you? <laughs> Good, man. So happy to see you. Um, again, you know, we always get to chat in the kind of group environment, but we never get to have the one-on-ones, which is selfishly what I love about this is that I get to like, you know, really connect with you and find out more about your story and, you know, kind of really unpack all that shit, man. And thank you so much for coming and hanging out today. Hell yeah, man. I'm pumped to be here, dude. I've been waiting a while to hang with you and talk with you. It's going yeah, be, to be fun, man. I think we got a lot in common and a lot to Oh, about to share with the world. That's for sure, bro. That's for sure. So I know you particularly have gone through an incredible amount of adversity during all this stuff going on itself. So maybe, I mean, I guess it's been what, almost what, 10 weeks since everything started to shut down. Walk us through a bit of your journey, man, the ups and downs and where are you at right now? How's everything going? Yeah, man, it's, it's going good. I'm, I'm having, I'm almost at the point to have gratitude for COVID. Right, because it's changed the the way that I operate in my day to day and just in my life in general, and so I have to have gratitude for anything that's done that for me. Um, and so when COVID happened, I, I run a seafood distribution company, and so our primary function of business was to sell seafood to restaurants. Right. Mm. So March thirteenth, okay, we're gonna shut down restaurants. Uh, what do I do? Do I like? shut the business down? Do I close it? Like I have no customers, maybe 10% of my business left. It's going to open. Or do I like pivot and find a way? And so we pivoted, we made a a Shopify site over the weekend, created uh, a pretty dope online store. 
and uh, and started going direct to consumer, which was which was a really good move. And it didn't cover all of the stuff that we lost, but oh, incrementally over the last twelve eight or eight to ten weeks, we picked up uh, we picked up some good revenue and, and we're having fun. It kind of like frankly like it reinvigorated me. Like it, it, it was, it was something that like, I always push to the side, like, eh, let's do online retail. No, no. Now we're forced to, and it, it's kind of fun. Yeah. So I have a, I have a lot of gratitude. I keep saying like, it didn't happen to us. It happened for us. And I'm, I'm a true believer in that, man. Yeah, totally, man. I, I can really, I just put myself in the shoes of being in the restaurant and bar industry for so long that it was really, it's, it's really strange to think about how, you know, a lot of people kind of live week to week in that industry, you know, and you don't really think about anything just getting shut down. You almost think of that industry being the staple that's always going to be there, right? Mm -hmm. Like I would have never have thought ever anything would have had the power to shut down restaurants and someone like you that's supplying these restaurants, like what a crazy, like what an ordeal, man. Like it's, it's just shows the true entrepreneurial spirit of who is able to pivot and you know essentially take the cliche make make lemonade out of lemons right and you see it in restaurant owners too you know some restaurant owners shut it down closed up shop waited it out and others like i'm gonna do takeout and i'm gonna set up a stand outside my restaurant and sell food you know and so i think that you see adversity in in throughout the entire supply chain whether it's you know we work directly with fishermen you know, unloading fishermen's catch. And so, you know, fishermen wanted to fish. We wanted to sell, you know, I, and I, I had a, I had a, you know, Frank talk with my staff, like, guys, if you don't feel like being here and you feel unsafe, like, cool. Like I get it. Like much love, like hang at home, like do your thing. Like, I'm not going to hold that against you, but like, if you want to rock and like build something, like let's, let's do this. Let's grow. And let's, mm-hmm. let's build something together. Yeah. And you know, for the guys that stayed, it worked. And, and some of the guys, you know, chose to leave and that's no harm, no foul. Like they're going to be welcomed back with open arms. Right. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been, it's been a tricky. Cause people tricky still time. need to eat, man. People Got still eat. need to eat there. That'll, that'll never be taken away. Well, I don't like who knows these days with the technology. What are we not going to have to eat one time? Like at some point fucking get computer chips put into us so we don't have to eat like what the no but it's it's different with seafood because we're the last wild caught protein mm-hmm. right we're not out in the fields hunting for chickens we're not out on the on the pastures hunting for cattle True. right but we are out on the ocean hunting for fish right and so our resource is really mother earth mm-hmm. you know and so it's it's so important that we like protect her and the ocean and and that's like what i try to do and what, what i kind of preach um, with my business and just kind of with life in general, you know, yeah. but we have our resource right out. Like I live here at the beach in New Jersey and, uh, you know, we can go catch fish, right. And we can continue to sell that fish like throughout our local community. And essentially we're eating with the ecosystem. And yeah. so that's like, so it's so important. Um, you know, especially now that we have like a meat shortage, a chicken shortage and all these things are, are coming down the pipeline. Like we can harvest wild caught seafood. It's there. Like it's in the ocean. We just got to find it. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty interesting. It is interesting. So do you think, like, how has this changed restaurants forever? Do you think restaurants are going to, because I'm seeing it a lot too. It's been really cool. 
you know, you see these restaurants set up these little takeaway booth things and, and it's really, it's just allowed so much. It's allowed people to really get outside of the restaurant model and to really take advantage of the, the takeaway option and the to-go option. And I just wonder, do you think this is going to be something that sticks around? Like what's happened? And same with takeaway alcohol. Like they're talking about keeping that in as well. I mean, whether you drink or not, it's still, I mean, the convenience factor and to see how it has worked. Like what are your thoughts on, on these things sticking around as like the industry's normal? Change. Yeah. The industry's going to change. It has to. You know, I think, frankly, like, if you look what happened in China and Wuhan, restaurants opened up, but nobody went, Mm. right? They were scared. And I think that's what we're going to see. And as we have those, like, scaled restaurant openings, I think people are going to be afraid to go, frankly. But I also think that uh, restaurants are going to have to develop more of a direct-to-consumer model. I know I'm going direct-to-consumer, but, like, with that, that, we've also created this at-home chef, right? People that have never cooked before are learning how to cook and they're cooking at home and they're making these awesome meals and they're posting them. And it's, it's really what, what we've seen in the fall of the restaurant is the rise of the at home chef. It's so cool, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it has been super cool. You know, people are like, Oh, I've never cooked fish. You know, a month later are like putting out these awesome plates. You're just like right on. And it's, it's yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing that at all the high end steakhouses and stuff here or, or whatever they're, they're giving these like little kits, like how to do it at home yourself. I mean, that's beautiful. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's so, awesome. Yeah. Wow. And we have to support restaurants. Like, yeah. You know, before this happened, I'm, I'm out to eat all the time. I me love too. dining. I love food. It's, it's what drives me. It's what got me into seafood. Um, and so I can't wait for them to come back, but you know, supporting them is really important, you know, and staying away from, you know, no, no offense to capitalism, but the big corporate chains and really supporting those like one-off mom and pops that are just out there, you know, working hard to produce amazing food. Yeah, dude. And and, uh, yeah, I think, you know, to go alcohol is good. I don't personally drink, but uh, you know, it's a good thing for the industry and for the restaurant. Yeah. I know I'm, I'm two months, almost three months now too. So I'm with you brother (laughs) and and we'll get into that. This is all of a crazy, crazy thing. So yeah, that's awesome. So dude, all right, let's, um, you got a crazy story. We have a lot of similarities. I know like, you know, when I heard it, I was like, holy fuck, man, you need to like speak about this shit to crowds and stuff because you have an energy about you is infectious as well. And, um, when I hear somebody that has gone through the shit that you've gone through and what I've gone through, I'm like, wow, okay, this needs to like come out. So walk us through, let's, let's go back a little bit of your, you know, growing up, where did you grow up? And what was it like for a young Eric growing up? So growing up, uh, I grew up in New Jersey in the suburbs of New York. So New York City was three miles away. We were separated by a river. And so growing up, I was like what they want, like to call that like latchkey kid. You know, as long as I was like home before like bedtime, like I was good. But otherwise, like I was out on the street. I was doing all sorts of stupid shit. and. Mm. You know, as as I as I started to grow, I started to get kind of into the into the game, into the hustle. And you know, as a child, I you know, twelve years old, I was going into, I was taking the bus into New York City with orders from like kids for fucking anything from fireworks to Chinese throwing stars to pornos to <laughs> to whatever it was. I would hop on the bus, 
you know, hey, mom, I'm going to the movies. Well, the movies was like Mott Street in Chinatown. And uh, I would go procure whatever I needed to procure and then bring it back into the suburbs and sell it to the kids uh, in school and whatnot. Um, and I just kind of like always had that entrepreneurial hustle. Never really had the school hustle. Yeah. But always the, the entrepreneurial way, way of going about things. And so, yeah, man, I kind of grew up like a mix between like a suburban street kid. Mm. Um, you know, got, got a lot of my lessons just on the, on the street and, and hustling and, you know, unfortunately, but fortunately, you know, I don't really, uh, my path went even further down that road as I got older, but it, uh, it, it made me who I, who I am. So you, yeah, there's something about the East coast work, work, the hustle, bro. It's, it's like a known thing as for the West coast. It's like, they're a little bit more laid back and lazy. Like, do you notice that? Is that like, do you guys think of people from the West coast as being like, like, different vibe or like, like what's lower that? key man yeah. lower key it's a different style it's a different style hustle like at 12 yeah. years old i'm going through port authority i got picked up by the like port authority police like twice right and yeah. stuck in like an interrogation room i'm 12 right like if anything is going to build street smarts in a kid like that's good yeah. no you know? unfortunately it didn't scare me straight but what was it like in new york city bro talk us through that because you know you see all this shit in movies right like you see, that's all we know. Like I've never been to New York and anybody that only, you, know, you just see the movies. Is it like that? Like in growing up in that shit, what is it like? Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's the it big looks apple. fucking crazy, man. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. You know, but you had like, I had to learn to navigate it pretty early and just, you know, with some friends and, and whatever, um, you know, learning how to like ride the subway and like buy weed in Washington Square Park. Right. Like. You just, you figure it out, but you, you, you pick up, I mean, it's a whole different level of school. It's a whole different education, right? Yeah. You have to understand uh, like who to trust, what, what areas to go down, what avenues to take. Um, and so you have to really kind of understand human connection mm. and fast, right? Cause when you're on the street, you, you know, it's, it's life, it's death, it's jail, it's all these things. And, and for me, like I developed, kind of this like really high EQ early on in my, in my life. And frankly, like it got me through a lot of things as I, as I, as I grew, just being able to talk to people, being able to talk myself out of situations, you know, being able to like talk, my, talk to the police, talk to, you know, when you see a 12 year old kid, like with a backpack alone in Port Authority or like getting on a bus, people are going to ask questions, you know, or, yeah. So you, uh, you pick up on, on, a, on a different level of education. So like when they say it's like the, the school of hard knocks, like it really is. It's like truthfully is. And you just, you just understand people. But yeah, man, growing up in, in New York was, was, it was wild. It was fun. It was, <laughs> I had some, you know, some crazy, crazy times being chased and, 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 you know, just, it, it was wild, but you know, I, uh, I, I loved it. I loved the, I love the hustle, the energy. Like New York has a fucking energy about it. Yeah, man. I want to go there so bad, man. Like it's one of those places. Cause even when I used to write cocktail lists, like I, I wrote one for the four seasons in Sydney back in 2018, 2017. And I would always look to New York for inspiration. Something fucking awesome about everything going on there. And I haven't even been there, bro. It's just such a, it's just such an innovative place. There's just so much going on, you know? So much. 
And as far as like when I, I was really into like whiskeys and learning about this shit and they're just always ahead of stuff, you know, like it's, it's such a cool place that I want to, I want to go to. I mean, aside from the alcohol part, but like the restaurants and like that vibe. I mean, man. dude, at, at like, <laughs> at like, I don't know, I think 16, we started going to the like Columbia bars. So like in high school, we would always go out and party at, at like Columbia University bars because it was only five miles from us, oh, you know, yeah. maybe six, whatever. But it was super close. So we would go out on a Thursday night, get like hammered at Columbia bars and go to school the next day. You know, so that was like our education. Fake IDs when you were younger, like nightclubs, this, you know, the tunnel, limelight, all the big time, like clubs of the late 90s. So it was just it was a crazy scene. How know? old are you, bro? We're the same age, I think, right? I'm 38. You, okay, so I'm 83. So you're 81? I'm 81. Okay. So we're same sort of same sort of time. Yeah. So like I started really kind of in New York in like the early nineties. So oh, throughout okay. the nineties. And it was like it was getting cleaned up by Giuliani. He came in and like yeah. kicked out all the sex workers out of Times Square and shit. And that's where <laughs> we would like yeah, it was, it was just the place was crazy. crazy before in the eighties, right? It was like one of the most yeah, dangerous spots. Yeah, Times Square was all, you know, filled with like peep shows and and uh titty bars everywhere and just kind of like right. dirty grimy but it's a it's a beautiful city man it, it honestly it touches my heart because mm. i've uh i've been working in and out of new york my whole life it's been such a part of my upbringing it taught me you know so many positive things just about the world about life about mm. trust about i mean just everything um and so i always find myself uh going far away from it but always coming back you know, and, and so now I, I'm not far and I get the, I get the perks of it, but it, it has this, it has this energy to like a mountain does or a desert does, right? Yeah. Like a city like has this way of drawing you in and connecting you to it. I like what you said about the communication side of things, because it's all about relationships. And I feel like there's a lot of people that don't keep their word about things. I find it to be super flaky at times out in the West coast about certain things. And I feel like people on the East coast are a little bit more about keeping their word. And it's like, it's just a little bit of a different, it's, it's just different, man. And it's all about your, it's all about relationships, mm. you know, and that communication. And I don't know, do you find that? Cause I, I do. I feel like people just, a lot of people don't do what they say, mm. you know? I think it comes back to like New Yorkers always have a thing about um, time. Like everything has okay. to be fast paced. Time is money. Uh, time, time, time. So don't waste my fucking time. So like, that's why we have like this no bullshit approach. Like I'm going to cut right to it. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. scrap all the fucking small talk. Let's get down to business. If that's too intense for you, like I get it. Yeah. You know, and that, that tends to be my attitude. Just, you know, just get right, get right to it. And then, honor your word. Your word is your bond, mm. you know, and, and just, and, and follow through. Um, and I, I think that that's just a, uh, that's a New York thing. Yeah. Right? I think New Yorkers are very, they're very much kind of predicated on their word and their word being strong and, and in that respect. And so I think for the most part, you know, yeah. If you establish that though, in, in that environment, that, that carries over to entrepreneurship and you know what you do on a daily basis, because at the end of the day, it's the relationships that are what create everything. We can't do it by ourselves. 
It's how do you communicate with that human? How do you, how's your exchange? Like, do they take you seriously? Do they, do they recommend you? Do they want to do business with you? It, it all builds on each other. If you can't do that, if you're full of shit, you're a flake, you don't know how to speak. People don't, you're not going to be successful in business. You're not. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I find it too, man, that you, you can cut through people really fast in business, you know, yeah. and, and you know, and you know who, who's full of shit and who isn't for the most part. Now I've made a ton of mistakes. I've yeah, failed in that same. category a lot of times. Mm. Um, you know, but I, I tend to personally lead with, with like just truth, honesty, and like directness. Like, this is what I want. This is what I expect. This is what I'm going to give in return. And like, let's go. And I don't play politics. You know, I think a lot of times in, in business, it's a lot of, it's a lot of politics. You know, if like, you're probably going to know if I don't like you and you're probably going to know pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, which, That's a great way to be though, man. Like the problem is, is having too much filter about worrying about what people are going to say can really fuck you up. And, and the problem is like, that's what I've gone through too. And being Canadian, we're t- even living in Australia, I saw the difference in people in that sometimes Canadians are a little bit too like worried about offending people if you say something. And, you know, I love Canada, but I saw the difference when I was in Australia, how people, you know, take the piss and it's not always about offending people. People just say shit. And it's like, cool. Like, you, you know, it's not, you don't have to think about it so much. And I feel like there's so much filter around things. And I feel like you're really good at just fucking cutting into it, which is good, which is great. I mean, it's not for everybody, but that's, People want the truth at the end of the day. Like, why dance around it? Like, why not just be fucking real, you know? That's it, man. I try to, I try to lead with love. Yeah. And it, and it gets me in, into, you know, bad circumstances and, and uh, relationships that don't work out. But, like, honestly, like, I try to just do be a good human and, and like, lead with that. And yeah. I, I'm finding, especially right now with, like, the current situation with COVID, like, it's hard. People's true colors are coming out. Oh, dude, like, totally, huh? They are coming out. And you can, you can see people from a mile away. Like the bullshit screen is gone. You know, like you're going to see their anxieties. You're going to see their stresses. You're going to see how they carry themselves, especially so much in uh, how they carry themselves in adversity, right? Yeah. Like, and, and you know what a lot of them are doing is like, ooh, there's the bottle. That's how I'm going to handle it. And I'm yeah. seeing it a lot with like restaurants and restaurant friends. And it's like just lean into the, the comfort of that of that, uh, substance and, and yeah, it's, 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 it's tough. Let's, let's talk about that. Cause we both had issues about that in the past. And I've, since I've been, since I've known you, I've been dancing back and forth with it. You know, I'm three months almost, well, since March 11th was my last drink. So, you know, yeah, I'm yeah. celebrating that win. Um, but, you know, I went a year, 2017, I went sober, and then I drank a lot in 2018, went nine months in 2019. It's been a dance, bro. And I've tried not to beat myself up about it. Um, but, you, you know, you have been able to really, you know, stay sober and to be able to help people with that. Because, dude, like being in that industry and partying and being that guy – and that identity, it's fucking hard to remove yourself and be somebody else, right? It's, it's challenging because we get so much validation from that kind of, you know, that you do these things and people expect that out of you. So you're like this party guy or, you know, 
they're, you, you know, the womanizer person. So you get that validation. But when you take that out and you like start this new life or whatever, the journey, spiritual journey, it, it tends to be like, oh, what's it like over there again? Like, do I want, like, I kind of miss that because I got a lot of validation out of that. You know, mm-hmm. what, walk us through a bit of your journey through that, bro. Like the booze and all of that. You can go as deep as you want. You don't need to, whatever you want to talk about. But, and then let's, let's talk about the shift in how you were able to kind of like pull, pull back the curtain and kind of get out of that shit. All right. So I got a pretty easy way to do this pretty quickly. All right. And you, as you know, like I'm, I'm a poet. I spit a lot of poetry. Yeah, it's something that I love. Amazing. Right, if I spit, spit a poem for you. No, you haven't, but now we got to hear one for everybody too. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to throw, <laughs> I'm going to throw down a poem. It's called life of the party. Right. Cause it, it goes into like my ride. And, yeah. And uh, I wrote it as kind of like an, an entrance into poetry for, uh, yeah. I've always been a poet. I didn't kind of recognize the skill that I had until I just started writing um, at a, at a NQ kind of like seminar and workshop. And, and it like, it's just changed my life. And that's been over a year and it's been fucking dope. So, all right. So we're going to go into it. It's called Life of the Party. I used to be the life of the party. Let's rock, take shots, eat pills, get gnarly. Give me whiskey, give me gin, give me Coke, give me speed. I'm not in this to get drunk. It's the adrenaline that I need. When two turns to 20, I'm the life of the party. I love the rush, the beads of sweat on the upper lip, heart racing, blood coursing, no sniffing, always chasing. Internal manifestations project as external self-gratifications. I used to be the life of the party. It's probably because I brought the drugs to the party. I need more. This line, that line, all the lines until I hit that line, that line where the mitochondria say stop, where the cells cease, A place where biology, chemistry, and all human science say, enough. Fade to black. But that's not the end of my story. I was destined for more, for greatness, to be immortalized in the halls of whiskey-fueled cocaine glory. I used to be the life of the party. Bourbon dreams turned to Xanax nightmares. Rinse and repeat. That suppressed voice grew louder and louder. Give me this pill, give me that pill. I could once again see that line. Walking death's tightrope is a game for the truly divine. Darkness had drowned out my light. I sunk deeper and deeper to the shadows. Substance abuse had won my fight. Waking up on the balcony in the middle of the winter had me tweaking, but it was the rope tied around my neck that got me thinking, is this finally the day that I choose to stop drinking? So that takes me through kind of like my battles with uh with substance abuse got fucking goosebumps from that oh thanks brother um <sighs> felt like i could just see the entire journey what a fucking crazy dude like that that world it's it's always the next thing seeking the next thing that thing never brings what you really want it to bring you know and it's that you're left with this emptiness it's all shallow it's, shadows. It's never that you never feel, and then you're just constantly digging yourself out of holes. You're never building on the foundation. It's like, exactly. and then when you do, you do start building on the foundation. You feel good. Fuck it. I gotta like go back to that feeling, that self sabotage, that that hole because that feels good. 
that feels that gives me the ah man i i just i can fucking think about myself in that situation so many times so many like, you know for me i just don't have that on off switch so like yeah. when i went to when i went to college and i went to the university of colorado like in its prime party years, like 99 to 2003, best party school in America. And you take like a street kid and you put him in that environment and it's like, fuck it, here we go. Like oh buckle God. your seatbelt, let's go for a ride. And so, you know, that ride that I took was, was pretty wild. Um, you know, through, uh, you know, I sold, sold a lot of weed, sold a lot of other things. Um, there's probably still some statutes and limitations on some crimes that I did, but mm-hmm. I won't go into those, but yeah. uh, you know, I got really, I got really into it and really into, you know, the, the drinking, the drug use, you know, and, and, and carried through after and, and it just, it got control of me, mm-hmm. you know, primarily like pills, Coke. So I, I OD'd twice. Really? Uh, yeah. On Coke, which is extremely hard to do. Although one time I think it was probably fentanyl, but, um, oh, yeah. for like the early stages of it and, and, uh, yeah, man. And, and that so shit's scary, dude. I yeah, a, it was crazy. I had uh, a buddy that I played played junior hockey with and you know he was he got a scully to the states and great guy just normal guy and fuck man he did he got a bad bag three or four years ago or something boom dead like what the fuck fentanyl shit man like like what the like how i lost i lost uh four friends throughout the party just crazy man going, going crazy so just like through just some of it was just being stupid you know, yeah. like my buddy shouldn't have jumped off a balcony after doing a fucking eight ball of Coke and tried to jump into the pool and he missed, right? Like he shouldn't have done that. That was dumb. Fuck. Right. Other people, you know, other guys mixing, you know, Xanax and Coke are not a good, are not a good mix, but arguably my favorite mixture. And frankly, I actually blame that mixture for saving my life hmm. because that night that I woke up on the balcony where I was at my lowest point of my life, I didn't want to feel pain. So I, I tied that rope around my neck and I fucking said, let me just take this pill before we fucking do this. So I don't feel anything. Holy and I fucking shit. fell asleep. And so it, it almost saved my life in a way. Whoa, bro. Yeah. And it allowed me to be like, holy shit. I'm waking up on this balcony in February. Like, uh, holy shit. I need fucking help. Holy shit, bro. That's fucking crazy crazy yeah so it's almost like substance abuse saved my life in a way you know but listen now that when that when that devil's on your shoulder it's gonna speak it's gonna speak loud it's and so you know you have to you have to understand you know when that when that person is speaking to you and uh i didn't stop drinking after that that occurrence i i took about two years off um you know but a lot of the a lot of the issues that a lot of us struggle with is is social interaction you know, and being, being able to be social and be in a social environment, whether it's dating, just friendship, you know, and just being real with people without that buffer. And that yeah. buffer is alcohol. It's, it's so easy. It's so culturally accepted. Like it's, it's what we do. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, two or three years later or two years later, I, uh, I kind of fell off the wagon, but I, I left the cocaine aside. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, and, uh, you know, I kept drinking for a couple more years and then it was just like enough. And I've been sober, uh, you know, going on three years now. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Do you, and, do you, do you reward yourself for that, bro? Because that's a huge win, man. Like that's a yeah, huge, man. You no, know, that's a huge win. So well done. I, I do. I celebrate. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. I, uh, I definitely celebrate. I celebrate, uh, you know, once a year and just kind of, 
yeah. pat myself on the back. You know, I call it sober-ish because like I'm still doing, I'm still using psychedelics to kind of better my, my personality, better who I am, better my, my purpose in this universe, connect to, mm-hmm. you know, humans and, and the earth and Pachamama and just like, and so uh, I use psychedelic medicine, but other, otherwise I don't uh, partake in any, any substances. Yeah, it's it's amazing how we've been taught to that those are tied into the same thing, which they're they're just not at all. But for some reason, everything is like goes down to the recreational box, and it's like a completely different animal. You know? And frankly, like for me, I got to be careful for sure. Right? Like, yeah, you can have some really amazing mushroom experiences, and you know, for me, uh, I got a lot of. Uh, I took a lot of, uh, have you read the untethered soul? Dude, I'm listening on audio right now. Yeah. It's fucking incredible. Great. Right. Yeah. And so I get a lot of, out of like personifying the ego and putting the ego next to you and listening to it. Right. Your ego would be a fucking asshole that you would never hang out with. Like, why are you doing that? You're going too fast. Slow down. Oh my God. Why didn't you check text back? You should maybe text her and like, dude, shut up. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> I've spent a lot of, I spent a lot of my recovery um, kind of personifying, if you will, certain parts of my ego. And so the, the, the guy that was alive and well in college and, and, and afterwards, his name is Thor. And Thor is a drinking, snorting fucking machine. And he wants to crack beers on his head. He wants to fucking shoot eight balls. And he wants to fuck. And yeah. he just wants to go crazy. And now I know when Thor talks. And I can hear when Thor speaks and I'm like, I hear you, buddy. I love you, but I'm not going to fucking listen to you. Mm. Like I'm going to go down this path that I've, I've my true self, you know, deep down in my core wants to go. And, and I just, you know, I have to have to remind myself of that. And, uh, you know, it took a while to get there, but I'm fucking there. That's a powerful lesson, bro. So Thor, let's say there's a Thor in all of us, including myself. Mm. What do you do to quiet Thor? Like, how do you, you know, do you give them love? Do you, do you go do something that makes you feel good? Like, how do you get out of that phase of like, oh, fuck, shit's happening. I want to get, I want him on the throne right now. I want Thor there. Like, how, what, what's that look like? How do you get through that? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question, man. I think for me, I breathe through it and I just, I kind of laugh. Like, for me, my, my humor, my laughter is my protector. So, like, when I get those, uh, like, I'll even in the middle of the day where you're just like, fuck, I want to, I want to go you know pick up a check or fucking whatever i just kind of like yeah all right thor let's yeah. breathe through you and just kind of feel it out and just push you around a little bit right because you don't have control over me anymore you know and that's you know controlling the ego mm-hmm. is it changes your life and and you're never really going to have total control but you're going to be able to like lasso it and ride it right yeah. and so right now i'm i'm me and my ego uh, for the most part Okay. Now I, we all have our moments, yeah. but for the most part, we're, we're riding together. Yeah. Yeah. Just identifying that as them being, you know, your soul and your ego are kind of are like separate things, but a lot of people think it's all like one big thing and they don't understand it. And that's been a big thing for me. And, and knowing that has allowed me to like, to be, you know, less hard on myself to be like, mm-hmm. Hey, it's all right. It's shit. You're thinking like this, this isn't, you know, this is okay. And I think we, a lot of people beat themselves up for whatever reason. But once you start to, like you said, you start to understand that what the ego actually is. And it's like, Oh, okay, this is okay. 
it's just learning how to know what's coming from fear and love is huge. What I've really, you know, and mm-hmm. Aubrey's helped me realize that and learning from him and just hearing that is like a, a way of like, you're either operating at a love or fear. And that is such a simple way of looking at it. You know, is this, is this thing that I'm saying going to empower people or is it coming from a, a victim mentality, right? Or mm. whatever we're doing and how am I reacting? Is this trying to cover some sort of weird trauma or is this coming, is this choice doing something that actually knows that serve in my soul? Mm. And it's like knowing the difference is really, oh. really interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's everything, right? It's, it's all the things. And especially when you, uh, when you're battling with the substance abuse, like your ego is super negative and wants to draw you into that negativity. Yeah. Right. And so, and so like creating that self love, creating that, that voice that just says like, you are enough, like you are enough. And I fucking love you for who you are. Right. And that took me personally, it took me years to figure that out. And just to be okay with it. Mm. And, you know, listen, we all battle, you yeah. know, with self-love and self-worth issues at times. And, um, but, but finding self-love is the mastery and the way to quiet that version of yourself. Like, I don't need it because, like, mm. I'm so happy with where I'm at and who I, who I become. That, like, yeah, you don't need as much approval from others either because you just know that you you don't seek anything from other people. You just know, like, I, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. It's, and like, it, it, when you trace it all back, right? Like, like substance abuse is trauma, right? We're trying to heal. Totally. Yeah. We're trying well, to let's get into that a little bit more, bro. Let's get into that. Cause I find that shit really useful for people, yeah. including myself. The more I talk about this, the more I get to understand it. Walk us through what you mean about that trauma and substance abuse and how they work together. Yeah, I mean, we are addiction is 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 so tightly linked to trauma. We are chasing some feeling that our childhood self went through. You know, for me personally, it was the I'm not good enough, right? And so throughout my life I had reoccurring theme of I'm not good enough because my parents didn't show up for me, you know, this person let me down, and it was all back on me. And so every time I picked up a bottle or every time I picked up a drug, I was chasing that feeling of being good enough, right? And so people that have addiction problems have trauma issues. You have a trauma problem. Mm. And we need to address the trauma before we address the addiction because curing the, the trauma will cure the addiction. Nine times out of 10. And, and I, see it, I see it a lot because I hire a lot of, um, a lot of people that are in the program that are, are experiencing substance abuse. And I have very like frank talks with them. And if you're able to make amends with your trauma, you are able to cure your addiction. It, like I see it over and over again. You know, uh, take for example, like in the realm of Hungry Ghost by Gabor Mate, phenomenal book. You know, talks talks all about all about the uh, addiction trauma relationship. I mean, it, it's so present in everything we What's do. What's this called? Or we'll link it in the show notes. What's it called? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, in the realm of Hungry Ghosts by Gabor Mate. You know, like the love of my life, the ex that kind of broke my heart, right? She wasn't, she, she was an addict as well. She was an alcoholic and she wasn't trying to hurt me. She was just trying to feel good about herself because she had shit. She grew up with shit, with shit in her past. 
she was always chasing that. And I always took it up for me, right? And it's so funny because, you know, three years later, she's in recovery and she's like, fuck. Like, it was all me chasing trauma. I'm like, yep, you know? And I'm, and I'm sure the same thing with you. Mm-hmm. You were probably chasing trauma in your substance abuse issues. Yeah, this, the, 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 the feeling, the numbing out, that feeling of not being enough, you know? That's what it really, you know, for some reason. Yeah, and you, you can get that. And as a kid... It's, you're so easily impressionable. Is that a, that's the right word, I believe. Right? Yeah. Like it, it's imprinted into you a lot easier. And it's, it's, it's funny how our emotions get wrapped up and tied to that feeling of what happened, even though it was so long ago. And it just, if we got super embarrassed or if like, we just felt really just sad, like we're just always going to remember that. And it's so interesting how that happens. And sometimes, man, I've been talking about this a lot lately. It's like sometimes the big events that we're searching for, like, why do I have that trauma? It's sometimes something that's even, you don't even realize that it's something so small, right? So small. Yeah. And, and that, but you just, you, you, you attach that feeling to that and made it such a big deal that you're just constantly, you know, trying to compensate for that feeling of like loneliness or not enough or like lot you know not having your your mom around or your dad like there's so many things or like the bully and in in kindergarten who called you fat for two months that gave you this complex that you didn't realize you had and now you're like digging through the war chest of your past and you're like wow like that was kind of me and like you know for for like big masculine men like myself to try to you know, and I think that's another thing when we're talking about like masculinity and femininity, like trying to kind of merge that gap and, 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 you know, kind of finding that like balance between divine masculine and feminine. Like we have to be able to get in touch with that, right? Yeah. Like you were a hockey player. Yeah. Like I played sports. I was a tough fucking got into a ton of fights. Like I was a masculine dude, but like, yeah. you know, I have to get in touch with those sensitive moments of my childhood that shaped who I became. And we, you know, really going through and digging up my past was a way to allow me to, to move forward into my future in mm. the way that I wanted to show up in the world. Yeah, that's, I want to touch on this. I just want to, there's one thing I want to touch on what you said about, so about the addiction and it's like, so when alcohol gets brought into it, you obviously don't have the intention of, oh, I'm a, I'm a hurt young child. I need to compensate with this thing. But you know, when you take that, when the booze, not only does it feel good, it still feels good aside from like, and you get the validation from you being cool with the people around and then you're allowed to meet girls and then you're all of a sudden you're getting all these like ding, 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 ding. You're like, oh, this is actually okay. So it's easier. And then you're like, you, you go into that deeper because you are getting a lot of validation. So if I think from the start, if, if alcohol if you were to get like shut down in all areas from drinking, like, I don't know how that would happen, but I don't know if we even would have myself, if I would have kept doing it, Mm. but because that's what I did for work. And it's because that's the only way I felt I could be cool with people or meet girls is like, Oh, I'm that bar guy. I'm the, I can, you know, but then when you have to re relearn your identity without it, it's totally different. But I think that, constant validation of that thing allows us to kind of go deeper because Mm. let's be honest it feels good when you're in the moment when you're drinking or doing drugs it's like yeah this is amazing right fuck yeah man it's like 
and I gotta be, I gotta be honest, man, I, I see it getting worse. Yeah. Right. With social media, with kind of the way that we're not communicating anymore. Right. Like, yeah. Whatever happened to just like a good solid look in the eye and a smile. Yeah. But where did, where did that go? You know? And so like for us, for people that, that have kind of experienced it, you know, for me, it's, it's really projecting that stuff. Like, saying good morning to somebody walking down the street. Oh yeah. When was the last time you just went up to somebody and was like, Hey, good morning. Just (laughs) smile. Wearing name tags like in Seinfeld. Hey Alice. Good morning, Alice. (laughs) Good morning, John. (laughs) Hey, good good morning. It's such a, but people are like, what, what what do you mean? Like they look at you like you talk to me. Like it's even worse now with the, the, the distance. It's like, Oh, you're a human. Stay away. Yeah. So you, know, you know how many times I've been like, hi, I'm smiling underneath this. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> hey, I'm smiling. Just wanted you to know. Yeah. You know? What's and, going on under that mask? That should what the mask should say. Like, what's going on under here? <laughs> um, you know, but yeah, dude, it's getting worse and we need that validation. We have yeah. to have it. It's our social lubricant. Yeah. Right? We don't know any other way. Mm. Um, and it, it's funny because once you, once you don't need it anymore, all these different areas of your life open up totally you know, all, just the way that you connect to people, the way that people connect to you and just the way that people open up to you too, you know? And yeah, man. You know, I see, I see it all the time and just, and, and just being, just being a good, a good person. Just yeah. Talking. When you, when you own your truth and you're just in your truth, like you can't offend anybody because you're not trying to be anybody. Like you're just yourself and it feels good because People get offended. Well, it's worse offending people when you know you're not being yourself. It fucking sucks. But, you know, if you're doing your best and you're being yourself, you're like, well, why would I? It's like a shift. You know, like I've experienced it like trying to like, well, I'm going to do it like this because this person says it like that and they're doing it. So then I'm off alignment. So then if I offend them, then not only am I upset with me not living my truth, but I'm like upset about that person. But then when you can live and be like true to yourself and go, fuck it, people can sense that and they actually respect you more, which mm. is fucked because we're so scared to be ourselves because we don't, because we feel we're going to offend people. So we'll be somebody else and offend them anyway or That's it. whatever. Right. So we need to live like, we need to live open kimono, right? Just like, <laughs> here I am. Here exactly. I am. Honestly, if we all did that, bro, and this is going to tie back to masculine feminine because I'm so mm. glad you brought it up, especially guys like us that are over on the masculine side, you know, always heavy weights, hockey sports, girls. It's like, okay, I understand there's a bet, but you have to balance. And what I've done, and I know you have as well, is like balance that feminine side and balance like with the yogas and the meditation and the arts. It's only going to make you better at what you want to do. It makes you more well-rounded. And what I think is important for guys like us is that we are going to be the ones that help the, the us's, the people that where we're in to help them get out of it. They don't want to listen to somebody that, that hasn't done this shit. People like us who have been through it are going to be the people that they listen to. This is why it's so important that we have conversations like this because we were just like you. You know, we were just like them, but to see, you know, to hear the delivery from somebody that's been able to be like that and not have to be like a a, a guru on a mountain to hear the message. It's like, no, we're just like you, but we, you know, we made these steps and it's okay to explore feminine. It actually gives you strength. The feminine side is the strength that you fucking need. 
And once you get that, things just open up. You become better in relationships. You become better. Like women love that. They, they don't want, I don't know why we have this weird over dominant thing, but I mean, I guess that's the way the media has preyed on us. Right. And be it's tough. Super, it's super. Don't, yeah. Don't like cry. be tough. Don't cry. And now I fucking love cry. Like I'll cry. It feels good. Like it's being me. Like I, you know what I mean? Like, especially in our group setting, like if you know that day when we were on a men's call and, uh, I heard you were on that call. Were you on that? Yeah, I started fucking crying because I went back into like my, you know, like my childhood and when I was a teenager and I moved schools and I started getting bullied and all this stuff. I missed my mom. It's shit that like I hardly talk about, but it's like, wow, that feels good. And like, what am I afraid of sharing that for? Especially in a, in a container that's safe, right? And I really think for us, it's our responsibility. And I've felt called lately and, you know, down the road being connected with people like you. There's so many things that we can do to help the over-masculine, you know, stereotype and help those people, the athletes, the people in the rest of the bars, the people that are like, it's a, it's a stubbornness, man. It's like a, it's like an illness being too masculine. It's an, it's an ego thing too, man. Yeah, right? it is. So it, it's protective and, it, and, and opening, opening it up and solving it and writing it, it opens up, it opens up everything. Like yeah. me personally, like I love talking about sexuality about you know really anything that that like i i'm uncomfortable with like i have to charge like yeah. if i'm not feeling comfortable in something that means that like i need to go into that and i need to like shed that because when you're holding things in and you're like uptight about things like what is it, what is it doing for you it's not doing anything positive how did you learn that though how did you learn because that's essentially leaning into the discomfort which is all about facing your fears like how did you have you always been like that or is that something that you've learned recently dude it comes it, like I, I personally think that it comes back down to like that street life that hustle right yeah, that fuck fear, yeah. right and so even in business like i i i'm fueled by a little discomfort mm-hmm. right a little anxiety i need yeah. just enough confidence to push through have just enough anxiety to push me into that fear, but just enough fear to just fucking juggernaut through it and just like go for it. Mm-hmm. And I listen, man, do I go up to every beautiful woman that I want to talk to? Like, no, I don't. I go up to quite a few, but uh, you know, there's still some, there's still some anxieties here. There's still some fear here, you yeah. know, but for the most part, you know, journaling has really helped mm-hmm. and talking to like-minded men, yeah. right? men that aren't afraid to express emotion and express their feelings, you know? And frankly, like, I started this work, like I was still in that, in that like tightness. And I think that we had a very similar experience around holotropic breath work. Oh dude. Holy and I fuck. Think, and so for me, man, like I did my first holotropic breath work with Anahata, Anata in Sedona, um, through, through fifth for service mm-hmm. in Aubrey. And I fucking lost it. <laughs> I fucking <laughs> lost it. And no, not even like, and dude, bro, listen, I, I, I'm not tough, dude. And like, I, like one of my best friends, you know, ate a shotgun and killed himself. I didn't cry. I was the strength, right? Wanted to just like tucked it down. Wanted to show fucking strongness, right? Like a lot of Trump traumatic shit. Just push it down, push it down. I fucking swear to God, man, everything came out in that breath work session. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, dude, it was, it was uncontrollable. It was uncontrollable. I mean, just like snotting, sobbing, weeping, like Aubrey had to come over and like settle me down for maybe like five, six minutes. Like we had a moment there where like, I didn't know if I was going to be able to like move. Like I didn't know what was happening. And 
frankly, like it just, it took my heart, fuck it, opened it right up. And, and honestly, that's been, it's been a year since then. And wow. It's been, it's been super amazing. Yeah. That fucking thing just from, it was so crazy because for some reason I felt resistance and you know, that online summit we had fucking shifted something for me, bro. I don't know what it was, but honestly, that thing that shifted me that weekend, something fucking shifted. And it probably the combination of the journaling, the breath work, like I was a new person after that. I don't know how or why or quantify it, but I think that breath work had a lot to do with it. And I remember going into my room because it's, you know, connect close to my computer, had my headphones on. I just wanted to get super comfortable. I was in my office and here and I was like, no, I don't want to do it here. Went into my bedroom, put it on, put a blindfold on and went into it with a blanket. It was just like, it was like a fucking mystical psychedelic experience. Like it felt like I was on some sort of like, I can't even, I'm going to have to do it again because Did you get the claw hands. Dude, it was weird. like my whole body was numb. I saw my dad. My dad was there. I fucking cried like a, a little kid. You know, there's so much crying that still probably needs to happen from losing my dad. You know, very, you know, three, not even three years ago yet. And it was so sudden that I hadn't, pro I still, I don't know if I processed it all, man. Because it was so sudden. It was gone. Like cancer within days and that, like a day to be a thumb. Like it was fucked. But like that, I saw him and I was like, <laughs> like, it was like, you know, when you're a kid and you just go through those cries that you just like, can't stop. That's what it was like. And then being able to know that everybody was on the call and everybody was going through it. And I, it was just such a beautiful experience. I had to share it right away. I was like, I'm fucking sharing this. And it did yeah. so much for me, bro. And I just, I, I, um, it's one of these things that if you've never done it, you, you got to do it. I mean, you got to be called to it because it's fucking scary. It's not easy. But, but it's also, you know, I think that breath work is something that is just, it's so important. Yeah. Whether it's, it's, you know, gamma breath work, Wim Hof, holotropic. Yeah. Right. There's so many different styles. Yeah. Uh, but really like it's our, it's our life energy. Like it's yeah, what isn't it? we're put on this earth to do, like you have to breathe. Right. And so controlling that and, and using it, is, is a way to really control everything else in your body. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, that's a really extreme, extreme case, a beautiful, beautiful ceremony and an extreme, but you know, I mean, dude, just, you know, taking three simple deep breaths and holding them for seven seconds and then letting them out for seconds, seven seconds, like it calms your central nervous system. It calms you down. Like, yeah, this is proven. And so, you know, breath in general is just, it's so important. You know, like I, I'm, I do Wim Hof probably, you know, three to four times a week. I try to do the holotropic like once or twice a year because I, I too, I get those experiences of, of um, almost deep psychedelic experience. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's crazy. It was, it was, I, I had no idea what was going on. And even in the last one that we did, like my whole body, like, I was like fucking this in my bed, <laughs> like, hands curled up, not knowing what was going on, like almost like scared. I got anxiety. Yeah. And then I like, you know, man, like I've done a lot of psychedelics and I've surrendered to it. And then I got rage. And so each time I do it, a different emotion comes out, mm. and, um, which has been beautiful because you get what you need yeah. you know, with, with, with the plant medicines, with this, you get what you need, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, for me, it was, it was, I needed a fucking rage and it was right around COVID. And I guess I, I just needed to let some shit out. Mm -hmm. and, and I did, you know, the dog was under the bed crying, but I was just fucking screaming. 
Thankfully, the yeah. neighbors didn't call the police. Oh, I know, right? Like, there's so much energy built up inside, and you, we just don't even understand like what, like what, how we are and how powerful it is and how we hold all that stuff. Like, no one taught us this stuff growing up. We gotta let this it is out. like we're just fucking learning how to like. I'm just learning like life over again. Dude, I got I got a poem on masculinity that I should like. Read. It's it's just like I I feel this journey. You know, I've been on personal development journey for probably three years now. But within the last, you know, six months is when things have really like. I'm just literally relearning how to how to be a human at at certain times. I know that sounds funny, but like, it's I think. I just realized like we don't realize how powerful we are. Like and same with creating in the world. Like we're meant to be like everything is just by chance and it's just whatever. And I'm realizing that wow, like we're actually creators. Like we're actually powerful. Do you have to do the work? Yes. But if you do the work and you're it's aligned with your vision and you do that consistently over time, you get what you want eventually. But so many people quit so many people don't believe it's fucking it, it, that's that's the thing it's like people lack the belief in themselves well they lack the ability to deal with discomfort yeah that's true yeah because it, it's it's all discomfort yeah like that's a, exactly. a lot of the shit that we do sucks yo i don't love meditating i love the way it makes me feel yeah <laughs> i love that 90 seconds of pure bliss that i get out of the 25 minutes that i'm sitting there trying God. to shut up this angry mind or this yeah. busy mind and 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 i have that 90 seconds of just fucking nothingness and then i'm like oh, oh that wow truth? that was amazing right and i haven't gotten to the point where i have 20 minutes of pure just awesomeness you know but that's just an example man i hate man. journaling i hate sitting down and writing out my thoughts i love writing poetry I hate sitting there and writing in my journal, but I do it. But everything you do. Why though? All- do you think, does it tie into like being a, like in school or something? Does it like, why do we, why do we not? Because it's hard for me too, but I, I like what comes out of it. But why do we have that? Do we, do we tie that feeling with like being forced to the teacher to write or something? Like, why is that? That's a hundred percent accurate. I'm thinking Miss Stein is behind me yelling at me to like about my penmanship, you yeah. know, and I, it, it's also uncomfortable. Because like I, I get into things that, you know, or I, I, I pause and for me, I try to keep my flow going and uh, yeah, it's, it's discomfort, you know? And when you're yeah. actually putting it down onto paper and seeing what's coming out of you, are like, oh, I don't love this, but I'm going to keep going. Or like, holy shit, I love this. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. But again, it's just, it's just uncomfortable. But yeah, I think it comes back down to the root of where we started. Yeah. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't a school guy, like never was. I was like a learning disability kind of kid that had ADD and dyslexia. And they were like, put me in the special room. Like he's going to be a dump truck fucking operator or something, you know, Mm -hmm. had, had no idea because they don't know what to do with kids that are like a little different, a little, you know? Yeah. So, but um, yeah, man, it's, it's dealing with, it's dealing with discomfort and you know, it's, you know, what's great. And I was just, I was thinking about this on my way home from work today. I was like, even more gratitude for the current situation mm. because it fucking tested the work, right? Yeah. It tested uh, COVID tested the work. Yeah. And I passed that test with flying fucking colors. Yeah, that didn't yeah. mean I didn't get test anxiety. I had test anxiety. I 
got some questions wrong, but I fucking aced that thing. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm feeling good about, about that and about how, uh, you know, the work and it, but it's, it doesn't stop. It doesn't no. stop. It's not like, yeah, I put some work in my toolbox is full. Like I'm a master yeah. carpenter. Like, yeah. Yeah, totally. And I like that you brought up that it's discomfort and you don't, it's not easy. Like I, I want to make that clear to everybody too, is that just because, you know, we meditate, I talk about meditation and journaling. It doesn't mean I fucking enjoy quieting my mind. It's just like, I know the essential part of it. It's like, do I enjoy getting my ass kicked at the gym or by a personal trainer? Well, during it, I fucking hate the person, but I know what's on the other side of it. So you kind of being able to quiet that mind for the, you know, short-term discomfort for the long-term fulfillment of it is important. And I think it's those little, those little lessons with ourselves, you know, it's not like one day you're like, Ooh, I love this so much. It's so easy. It's like, it's no, it's like no matter what level you go up, if you take no. the meditation, you're still hating it a little part of it or you're accepting it. You're getting better at accepting it, but it's not easy. Like it's never easy. It's not. And you know what, you know, what the, I think the biggest thing that people need to realize about meditation, and I heard this from Emily Fletcher of She's Ziva dope. Meditation. Yeah. She's dope. And it's, it's the, the mind thinks regardless, it's going to think involuntarily, just like your heart beats, just like your lungs breathe. Your mind has to think. That's what it was designed to do. It was designed yeah. to have thoughts. So like shutting that off is impossible, right? You can't shut it off. You can't quiet the mind. The mind will never be quiet, but you cannot choose to listen to things. Mm. You can choose to just hear it, accept it, and not listen to it, and just let it go. And that's when, when all the things start to settle, and there's going to be thoughts. I'm going to think about the project or the work thing or this, and it's going to be here. But, you know, yeah. I know that that's what the brain has to do. It has to think. Mm. Right? My lungs have to breathe. My heart has to beat. Yeah. Um, and so people say, well, I can't shut off my mind. Well, no shit. You die. So we don't want that. Yeah. But. Yeah. It's the people that say, oh, I can't sit still. I'm like, well, you need to do it. <laughs> I mean, it's not the people that can sit still that it's going to work for. It's like the people that can't sit still. Oh, I don't know how you sit. I'm like, well, you're the one that needs to do it. <laughs> the super Zen relaxed people, they probably don't need it as much. Right. And doesn't it change your world when you have a good meditation? Dude, it's the best. And you know what? You're so right. I love that you brought up as well that there's like a, a, a 90 seconds of like this 20 minute. It's like as soon as I do 30 minutes and it's like as soon as I tap into that, that, that point, the alarm goes off. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Where was that the whole time? And there has been times where I've done 60 minute ones where I do see I go into like a vortex of like shapes and, and it's been a rare occurrence, like white light. And I'm like, woo. And I get like literally a vibrational feel like, like it's almost, it's yeah. It's like a, it's, it's kind of like that euphoria you get when psilocybin kicks in, but not, not as extreme, but a light version of that when you're like in that vortex, that's what I felt. It's very rare that it happens, but a couple of times doing, I think after like a yoga retreat, I was kind of in that zone. So when I did it, around the 45 minute mark, it starts to hit. But if you want to go deep, you got to go longer. I feel like 30 minutes is just like cleaning out the closet. It's like with journaling, it's like you could write for three pages and that's just starting like getting rid of the shit. Also to yeah. a regular practice helps. Totally. You know, yeah, consistent twice a day for you know, two months and then you can jump right into it because you're so familiar with it. I think that's right? more important. The consistency is more important than the length. And I tell people too, I'm like, look, 
Start at two minutes. Boom, done. Go to three minutes. Boom, done. Don't beat yourself up. Be kind on yourself because if you miss it, that's it's worse to miss a day than to do a day of like three minutes because then you get into that routine and then, you know, I think it's all about just kind of being, you know, easy on yourself with it. If you can only do two minutes, at least you know it's a win. It's a check mark. And that does think that are, Yeah. You're not all going to be great. You're going to fail. Yeah. You're going to fail meditation a lot. Yeah. But like with anything else in life, man, we're going to fail. But better to fail fast and yeah, often. 100%. Right? Yeah, man. How are you doing uh, for time, bro? Good, man. Yeah. Good. I, I, wanted, I wanted to ask you kind of what you're working on if you you got a are you working on a book are you doing any kind of cool shit like that because you got a book in you bro there's no uh, doubt right yeah, like what what's what's going on yeah, right now it's, like, it's uh yeah that's it that's all kind of that's that's the next stage of this development you know for me i've uh i've lived a really interesting kind of wild kind of crazy life and i have a lot of life lessons in me um i'm learning now really to articulate that and to, and to kind of spread some of my medicine. And so in the next, uh, in the next few months, we're going to be putting out some, I'm going to be creating like a, a, a poetry page, you know, specifically for my poetry, you know, that, that'll be coming out and, you know, maybe we'll talk about some podcasting, a book will, will happen eventually, oh. but you know, Raymond, right now I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my business alive mm. and, and, and trying to, uh, keep that going day to day and just, you know, survive the hustle. Again, yeah, dude, it's tough, you know, and like, man, dude, I'm, I'm out there in the world just like you are. We're looking for love. We're big guys just trying to find our, our, our humans that we can, we can work our, our magic with the rest of our life and just, yeah, dude. So there's time for that. I feel, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm still going through my journey and I reached out to Claire, especially about kind of um, staying calm under pressure. I think that's going to be the next kind of area that I start to speak on. Yeah, you know, dude. Being, being zen and in chaos bro you're 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 a teacher bro like you're you i really the when i i remember i remember we were sitting in uh we were gonna sit down for i think it was aubrey and eric's workshop in tulum and i was like the first time i kind of talked to you about some shit and i was like dude you need to be a speaker or something you know because you got that energy man like people you gotta have that that's what it is it's the exchange of energy Right. And, and I think like you, especially with your story. And I think for the same thing as myself, I see a lot of you and me as well. Like we're very similar that because I've noticed that about myself lately that I'm like, shit, you know, there's medicine to be given to people. And I think you're this, you, 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 there's no, it's a no brainer how it unfolds. Right. That's the exciting thing. It's like, there's no rush. It's like, you know, how it all unfolds is how it all unfolds. That's it, man. And just getting started, man, this is kind of my, this is my uh, coming out party, my open kimono party, yeah, 100%. you know, of, of, uh, of, of really kind of trying to, you know, digest the story and, and the values that, that have come from it and, and the lessons. Yeah. Right. So, it, it, and, and, you know, I've been so focused on just doing the work, doing the work um, and I'm going to continue to do the work, but now I need to kind of start to teach others and to start to motivate others to do the work. And whether that's in, um, you know, entrepreneurship or substance abuse or, some of the areas that I've, you know, and I'm not going to say mastered, but some of the areas that I've excelled at, um, you know, that's definitely next, man. So yeah. I appreciate those kind of words for sure. No, dude, for sure. I mean, sometimes, sometimes we don't see it the way others see us, you know, and sometimes you just like, you just need to be told things right in order to realize some stuff. And 
Because sometimes we don't, I know myself, sometimes people say things to me, I'm like, oh shit, really? And I don't see it like that. Then it's, it's mm. nice to hear that because, you know, a lot of, a lot of times we, we learn a lot from feedback from people too, right? Like we, we do. And a lot of people don't, good and bad, right? Like it's, it's, it's always good to get that because that's the direct, that's like what you're putting out there. And, and when you start to lasso that ego and ride with it, you don't take any offense by anything. Totally, and you learn man. and you're self-aware. Yeah. Start to see things like, oh yeah, like yesterday I did act like an asshole. Yeah. I see that now. Yeah, I could have yeah. wondered about that differently. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah, man. It's, it's uh, been it's been it's it's been a it's been a wild ride, but like, yo, dude, we got so much more to grow. Dude, I, I we got I so much more we're to just grow. Getting started, man. We're just getting started, you know, and and like the journey and Man, even like the rest of the year, I'm so excited to see you in, in Tahoe and in Austin and, you know, Sedona and all this stuff. I'm just like, I'm looking forward to this, man, because I feel like it's all been, we've all been charged up inside and it's like, I feel like the meetups are going to be so much more powerful. Like, Have you really been kept, uh, kept quarantining by yourself? Well, I look, my, my life in general is pretty, pretty much the same. I couldn't go to the gym. I still go for a run and stuff. It's not like complete, complete lockdown here. Um, and things are opening up. Like it's, it's getting back to normal, not fully, but it's, it's been strange because a lot hasn't changed. And like we, I talked about before, it's like, I almost feel bad. Like I'm, I'm not, it's not bad. Like every, like a lot of people. And it's like, it's kind of been the same, but it's still, you know, in my line of work and, you know, with podcast production and all that, I'm realizing like how many people, at this time and what's going on need our help and, and mm. want our help. And, and, and that's, that's exciting because there's a lot of people that want to kind of expand or amplify their message. And um, it's, you know, and want help with kind of what's going on right now. People want to reinvent themselves. People want to do whatever. So um, it's been, it's been really interesting, but yeah, it's been lonely as far as like, you can't go out on dates and that kind of stuff. And it's probably Bro. a good, it's probably Bro. a good thing. Bro, you can go out on dates. Yeah. You can go out on, <laughs> I that shit as an excuse. Quarantine really, is very good to me. <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah. I haven't really I haven't really wanted to, to be honest, as much. It's kind of yeah. like, I don't know. It's it's been a good way to sort of just kind of sit and just not kind of actually I've been paying more attention to building relationships, like especially within our community, like friendships, mm. which mm -hmm. does where it's like Look, it's just great to get to know the opposite sex without the agenda. It's it's an it's it's nice. It's there's freedom in that, you know, because we're very we're animals, right? And sometimes, and for me in the past, it's always like, what am I gonna get out of this? Like, mm -hmm. and I, and although like that never goes away, it's just it's nice to have the foundation of a friendship with females that are kind of on the same path. Yeah, but I think it I think it does go away, man. And and yeah. I think that's it, again it goes back to our conversation about you know, masculinity and, 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 you know, divine feminine and masculine. Yeah. We're like, I can come into conversations holding zero sexual expectations yeah. and have amazing connection, communication, intimacy with someone that doesn't have any sexual repercussions. Right. Yeah. Cause it's a higher oh. vibration. It's a higher vibration. Yeah. Sex energy. Well, sex energy is powerful, but like it's not everything. Like, but now I can have these higher conversations around you know the feminine to people that i do want to have sex ah, with. yeah yeah and it opens it right up and it's created this almost like 
like, wow, I can tell you anything. Yeah. Like you're so easy to communicate with. Well, yeah, because like it does nothing. None of this bothers me. Like, yeah, I don't have ego. Like it's, I have ego, but I don't like, it's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not dominating me. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. And so it, it's done. It's done. It's been really fun for, for that area of my life as well, mm-hmm. you know, and, and in dating and in building relationships with women um, that I'm, that I am interested in. Yeah. And it, it cuts to that chase faster. Right. When you're able to like really connect with somebody, well, like we've really connected, but we've only known each other a month and like, you're not my person. And like, it's been really cool. And like, yeah. I'm, I'm like, so like happy that you came into my life, but like, we're going to go in a different direction. Mm. You know? And like, when you're so in your truth, right. You go from yeah. like that playboy status where you like ghost a chick to now being like, so truthful where you're just like, yeah. And they fucking love it. Yeah. So now I see people that I've like hooked up with or like have spent time with and we're like great friends. Yeah. You know, so as, as the mindfulness, you know, continues and you start to get more in your truth, like it just opens up so many different areas of your life. Especially. When you start to attract more people that are like on that, right. You track, you don't attract what you want. You attract what you are. Yeah. You know? dude, it's totally. like, and, and it's, it's interesting because if you're going after the people in that old area, that scene, like I have, I've seen it. I've tried to hide the, I've done it. I've done the test. I've done the trying to, you know, do the dating profile stuff with the apps and be this person and try to satisfy that need. But then when they, you start to bring in the real you and the personal development side, it's like, they're not into that. And it like, it's really interesting. So especially on dating apps, it's like, you got to be who, who you are, unless it's like, unless that's what you want, unless you want to be that, that mysterious person whatever would do whatever you want but i'm just meaning like if you want to find your true match or whatever that is even called like you got to be true who you Dude, are one of my one of my like highlights on one on both of my profiles is i am best when i am in balance with my divine masculine and divine feminine Love like I, I put that out to the fucking <laughs> world and you would not be surprised how many women are like oh my god that's incredible and like start talking to me about that. That's and then amazing. we engage in like really nice conversations. And um, yeah, it's, 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 been, it's that's, been cool. Dude, that's amazing. And I think, yeah, like for the longest time, I guess I was sort of like, not embarrassed, but like just didn't want to own it fully. And now I'm like, fuck, this is who I am. And like, I try and keep, you know, I didn't want them to know about my podcast because then they could find out about me. It's just, there was this weird, like not going all in with who I actually am. Mm. and now i feel like fuck i don't care like this is who i am this is what i do if you don't like it then kick rocks like i don't that's all that's it and and i mean that's the way and like you want like if you want to come and 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 learn about me this is who i am this is what i live this is this isn't just a phony facade right and i think again in your truth and you know if that scares people well that's good because they're Hurt people chase hurt people in that it's, it's just a full of a big arena full of scared people trying to impress each other. And it's like, if you haven't dealt with that shit, nothing wrong with you. I, I fully respect you, but like, we're not going to jam because I'm on the path of working this shit out. And, and like, if you don't address it, if you don't think there's an issue, then, you know, we're definitely not going to, not going to like align. Right. You know what I just thought of? You know, uh, the not dating during this whole thing might be also correlated to some of the uncomfort around sobriety because it's still yeah. new. 
totally totally like yeah like going out and like because it's it's like it's like that that awkward thing that you got to be like hey uh, i mean i've done it before i can do it but like hey it's easier to have a glass of wine let's be honest right like hey yeah a glass of wine and then everything just sort of oh you know i always tell i always tell people that i go out to date on dates with it's like yeah like it just doesn't work for me anymore like i'm not chasing 5 a.m memories that i'm never gonna remember i'm chasing memories that i'm never gonna forget yeah and like but do you and i'm like comfortable with it like it doesn't really bother me but you gotta know your relationship too with it yeah like i i can't be dating somebody that's you know doesn't know their relationship with alcohol. They have to be really confident. Yeah, they, they start drinking, bring out a flask, bring out a big line. You're like, oh, yeah, this is, yeah, no. this is real good for me. That shit ain't working. <laughs> oh, dude, fuck, man. This was, this was great. We may need to do a second part, bro, because I feel like we just like, just kind of scratched. We started going down another path. Oh, dude. One we're, of our favorite paths. <laughs> yeah, man. No, for sure. And, dude, I'm super grateful that we got to connect this one-on-one and, you know, yeah, Just talk about this shit because it's important. And I, I, I can see us, you know, working together on different things down the road and, you know, yeah. who knows. And thank you for being you, bro. You're one of the realest dudes. And um, yeah, dude, thank you for coming and, and just giving us so much value today. I appreciate it, brother. Yeah, man. Thanks for providing the, the stage for me to kind of open up and grow. This is something that like, and I told you, I think, you know, early on is like, I just wasn't ready for, you know, that I, like we pushed this off because like I wasn't there. But yeah. like this is this is the next the next stage of my of my development and and to to get this story out and to develop my skills and hone my craft, you know, and, and do some coaching and and really kind of to to move forward into that that area, you know, have my entrepreneurial stuff, but really to to share a story because I think I really do think I can help, and I think that through all of my experiences through the medicine, that you know, my one thing is really to is to help people. It's mm-hmm. what I like to do. Yeah. You know, when this whole, when this whole COVID thing started, I, you know, I donated a bunch of food to the homeless because it felt good Yeah, and I'm continuing to do that. And so, and so serving and being in service is, is something that's really important to me. And so I, I thank you so much, man, for yeah. providing a platform for us to, to, to do that, to start, start these conversations. Yeah. I think we've got a few more in us. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And this is, this is what lights me up. This is what I love to do. And, um, yeah, it gives me so much fulfillment, bro. So, but I am gonna ask for one thing. All right, what's that? I need you to dig deep into that journal, and I want a poem out of you, bro. Uh, no. I need a poem. It can be some Dr. Seuss shit, right? But you know, I host that poetry jam, I and I want I want to see you up there, and I want I want you to have that feeling of struggle around a poem. But when it's done, man, it's just like everything else that we talked about, the meditation, the journaling, you're going to fucking love it. You're right, How about that? Yeah, you're right. And I, yeah, you're totally right. And I was thinking of writing one around kind of what you did about that poem that you wrote about the, the booze and, and the party. Like that needs to be out there. Like that needs to be fucking like out there, bro. That that's like... You don't even need to explain your story. You could just do that. And people are like, holy shit, I get it. I was there with you. Like it was, dude, powerful, man. Powerful. And yeah, I will. I will. I'll definitely, <laughs> I'll definitely do it, man. Where's, um, where's the best place to learn more about you? Check you out. You guys got yeah, anything on? Yeah. My Instagram is eat local fish. Um, and that's the best place to contact me. 
Um, my business is local 130 seafood. We're at New Jersey. We ship nationwide pretty much um, in the U.S. Uh, Canada, not yet, but we love our Canadian brothers and sisters. Yeah, yeah we get shafted on in the st- from the States, man. There's so many rules. Like we never, it's crazy. Yeah, but you know we're shipping seafood around around the U.S. and uh, yeah, it's awesome. And so you can find me at Eat Local Fish on Instagram, Eric Morris on uh, Facebook. There's a lot of us, but yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be developing some some content and some better ways to get a hold of me. This is kind of the infancy of my perfect. You'll be doing a YouTube channel, a podcast, all the good stuff. Dude, you got to show me how to do the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I man. heard you're the man for that. So. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, it's what I do for a living, bro. Like, I can't you know, wait, dude. I, uh, I, can't, I can't wait to have these talks. We're actually putting together a course too. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, it's great. And it just allows you, especially someone like you, you got to have one. And um, just, just to share your medicine. That's it. You know, fuck. Who cares who's listening in the beginning, man? That's where people fail is worrying about comparing themselves to Joe Rogan or Aubrey Marcus or Lewis Howes. They're great. Use them as models, but fuck, their life is different. Their, everything is different. Again, it's all down to you and your people will listen to you. And that's where people get all fucked up. I don't want to do this because of this. Look what Joe Rogan just signed, a $100 million deal with Spotify. It's way more than that too. He just did what he wanted to fucking do. That shows the price tag in podcasting. They're literally putting a price tag on the value of it as entertainment, as value, as education. It's a no-brainer. Like they're living in their truth, bro. hundred percent. Um, what is one lesson that adversity has taught you to rise up, to rise up, to not let it defeat you, to push forward, to keep going. No matter how many times we're going to get beaten, broken and battered. We got to, you know, pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off and keep pushing forward, man. Amazing. Much love. Dude. Much love. Thanks, everybody. Eric Morris, make sure to check him out. We'll have everything in the show notes and we'll have the books and all the stuff we talked about as well. Thanks, everybody. Later, dude. Thanks, everybody. If you guys got value, share that where you can. Leave us a review. Eric is an inspiring dude, as you heard. Very entertaining, very vocal. Love the guy. And make sure you check out all his stuff um, and follow him on social media. Everything's in the show notes. Make sure to subscribe, guys. Stay on top of the episodes. And I love you. Have an amazing day. Catch you next time.